Okay, get your Bibles out this morning. And if you would go to Psalm 66, verse 12. Psalm 66, 12. Now, I've been preaching a message for two weeks now about family business, and, and I don't want to review a whole bunch, but last week I was talking about mercy, the first thing about God in his, if you're going to understand the family business, you're going to understand the way God does things, you can understand the way he moves and, and he's, his, uh, his flow is, you've got to understand God is a God of mercy. Everybody say mercy. mercy. And you know, uh, sometimes we, we, we get things messed up about mercy. We forget what real mercy is, and we forget that God gave each and every one of us mercy. In other words, mercy is not giving you what you deserved. How many of you are glad God didn't give you what you deserved? Grace is God giving you the ability through Jesus to have a way out. Amen? That's what grace is. And so today, uh, if you didn't get all of that, then uh, you just go back and listen to it because I can't, I, I don't want to review because if I do, I'm going to get all tied up and then y'all are going to be late. And then you're going to be rolling your eyes at me, looking at your watches and doing all kinds of stuff like that. And so I don't want to get into that. I don't want to get into those hard feelings this morning. And so anyway, um, today I want to go to the second thing about family business, about God's business that you have to understand about God. If you really want to understand God, you really want to understand how the family business operates, how God wants to work in your life and establish the kingdom of God in your life and how that's all, what it's going to look like, how it's going to flow, what it's going to do. You got to understand this. God is a God of abundance. Now just think about this. God is a God of abundance. God always does things big. If you go back and you read in the Old Testament, you know, you've got the children of Israel leaving Egypt. They plunder all of the Egyptians. They come out with all of the wealth. They get to the Red Sea. They didn't have to go that direction. They didn't have to go there at all. God could have led them in a different route, but he didn't. He led them right to a, a box canyon. There's no way out. And then he doesn't just, you know, cause the Egyptians. I mean, there's all kinds of things that could have happened. The Egyptians could have just gone blind and couldn't found them, right? I mean, because the, there's other places in the scripture where, where the, God put a blindness on people and they couldn't, they couldn't see him. He could have just done that. And, and the Egyptians just rode right on past them. Everybody said, oh, look at them big dummies that can't see us, <laughs> right? But no, God wanted to do something big. He said, no, I want, I want you to go ahead and go through the Red Sea. I want you to go forward. I want to part the waters you're going to go through on dry land. Didn't go through on wetland. Didn't go through bogging in the mud. God always does things big. And what, what the devil always wants us to think is that God is limited. God can't reach you. God can't touch you. God can't supply your needs. God can't move that mountain. It's too big. It's, it's too great. It's too difficult. It's, it's something. But God is a God of abundance. Psalm 66, 12 says, you have caused men to ride over our heads. We went through fire and through water, but you brought us out to rich fulfillment. God always wants to bring you to a place of riches. He always wants to bring you to a place that's better than you were before. God is not limited in his mercy. He's not limited in his grace. He's not limited in his love. I don't know, you know, again, this is not a show of hands, uh, I, but if you've ever been in a place in life that you were, you were undone, you were hurting, you were, felt like you weren't loved, felt like God didn't love you and, and, you, and the enemy would come to you and speak and say to you, oh, you've done too bad, you've done too much, God can't love you. No, I'm telling you, God's 
abundance. He never runs out of love. He never runs out of mercy. He never runs out of grace. Matter of fact, it says every morning his grace and mercy is fresh and new. You got to understand something. God is bigger than your problem. God is bigger than your situation. God is bigger than 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 the 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 the, the, the craziness in governments. God is bigger than than uh, anything that can be taking place out there in life. God is bigger than that. God is bigger if we'll just believe Him. Right. He's not limited. That's right. The Bible says that His arm is not short that it can't save. So when he goes about in doing business, his biz, his thinking is abundance. It's always abundance. But isn't it small? Isn't it? Isn't it true that we get small thinking? We do. We get small thinking. Oh, God, if we can just get out of this. Oh, man, if I could just, you know, I mean, what are we going to do? Oh, my gosh. Can you imagine being God and in God's shoes with all the world going on right now and all the craziness and the wars and the rumors of wars and the things going on and the people dying? How would you like to be running that business of the whole world? You got people dying left and right. You got this going on. You got lying. You got stealing. You got all these things taking place. All these things going on. You got everything going on. And then everybody's shooting. And you got 600 rockets flying towards Jerusalem. You got all this stuff going on. And God's not worried. You know why? Because he has an abundance of everything. He's not going to run out. He's not looking like he's going to run out of shells. Hello? Go to 2 Kings chapter 4. 2 Kings chapter 4. Verse 1. I want to read this story to you. It says, A certain woman of the wives of the sons of the prophets cried out to Elisha, saying, Your servant, my husband, is dead. And you know that your servant feared the Lord and the creditor is coming to take my two sons to be his slaves. Now, that's that's a pretty serious situation, isn't it? Your husband's dead. You have no source of income. The creditor is coming to take her sons. So then if she if he comes and takes her son, then she's going to be left with no way to ever make a living, no way to ever do anything. So it's a bleak situation, right? Everybody say it looks bad. But God. God of abundance. So Elisha said to her, well, what shall I do for you? Tell me, what do you have in your house? So here the prophet looks to her, turns to her and says, what do you got? What do you got in your house? And she said, your maidservant has nothing in the house but a jar of oil. He's got, she got no money. She got no flour. Hello? Got no salt. Salt was valuable in those days. Could have had a pinch of salt. Didn't have a pinch of salt. Had a jar of oil. I mean, that's pretty sad, right? You're down to just the last jar of oil, and it only has a little bit in it. What are you going to do with it? Grease your lips? So the prophet says, sir, go borrow vessels from everywhere, from all your neighbors, empty vessels. Do not gather just a few. And when you have come in, you shall shut the door behind you, you and your sons, then pour into all the vessels and set aside the full ones. Now, what? Do you see where in this story, this woman has to trust that Elisha knows what he's talking about? Now, I can say this. 
Elisha was schooled from the prophet Elijah. Elijah was the one that went to the woman at Zarephath and had the oil that didn't keep pouring. So Elisha had faith because he knew that he had seen this kind of miracle take place, right? But I don't know about this woman. Maybe they told it. Maybe the story was told all the time. I don't know. I don't know. It could have. Could have. Uh, Elisha told her husband the story of Elijah pouring the oil. But it only took place, as far as I know, one time with that woman at Zarephath. It wasn't like it was a common practice that they never, the prophets never had to buy oil. Okay? So she has to have a lot of faith that what the man of God's saying is true. So then she went out and they, they brought the vessels to her and she started pouring it out. And it came to pass when the vessels were full that she said to her sons, bring me another vessel. And he said to her, there's not another vessel. So the oil ceased. Then she came in and told the man of God. And he said, go sell the oil, pay your debt. You and your sons live on the rest. There's a few things I've always wondered about this story. Like apparently the I'm assuming, it doesn't say, but she says, I have nothing but a jar of oil. I don't know how full her jar was. Okay? But let's just say there was some room in it. Did, did it pour and just chug, 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 and then she stopped with, and to get another vessel, and then it stayed the same level? Or was this baby like she just poured I mean, these are things I just think about. I mean, I, I, it doesn't really make any difference. I'm just trying to point this out to you. Or did it just pour and she didn't quit pouring and they just kept sliding another one underneath and sliding another one underneath and sliding another one underneath and it just kept pouring, you know? And then, then when the last one went through, you know, she got no more vessels, then she stopped and then she still had the same amount. I mean, these are just things I think about. I just... <laughs> I want to get to heaven. I want to see the DVD. I want to know what really is how it worked. Uh, these things interest to me, okay? I'm interested in the details of things. But one thing I've always noticed about this story is she had enough oil from the miracle God was doing to fill every vessel they gathered. And if they would have gathered one more, she'd have had one more. My point of this story and in tying into the message today about God's abundance is not that that she, and then she sold it. She had enough to pay the creditors and, the, and to live on the rest. So she had over the amount of money she needed. Y'all see that? Yes. So the point is here that I'm, that I'm looking at in this story about God's abundance is, look, he would have given her more had she had more vessels. But she had enough, right? right. Because she got enough to pay the, the, the mortgage or the, the, the debt to the creditors, whatever it was, and she could live on the rest. Did she live on the rest for the rest of her life? I mean, I don't know. He just said live on the rest. So one day she's in total desperation, and then the next moment she gets into God's family business of the way he does things, and the next moment she's got, she's, she's got her lawn chair out drinking a glass of tea in the back sunbathing. Planning a vacation at a beach resort. Isn't it funny as Christians, we always try to just get just enough from God to make it through. But God's always trying to do abundance. We're always trying to get just enough to make it. When God wants us to have an abundance. 
Because that's who God is. That's his nature. That's how he runs his business. He wants you to have more than you have to have. Is that crazy? That's the way God is. Let's go to another story. Let's go to John chapter 6, verse 5. John 6, 5. Then Jesus lifted up his eyes, seeing a great multitude coming toward him. And he said to Philip, where shall we buy bread that these may eat? Now, wait a minute. There's a multitude coming towards him. And Jesus turns to Philip and says, where are we going to get the bread to feed all these? And don't you know Philip's response should wanted to be, what are you asking me for? I have no idea how we're going to do this. Again, the heart of Jesus. He looked out there and he saw a multitude of people. And he didn't say, golly, you know, we might feed 10. His thought was immediately abundance. Why? Because Jesus said, I don't do anything that I never see my father do. See, the devil always wants to come in there, and I'm telling y'all, he does this to every one of them, me included, and he wants to get my vision smaller and smaller and smaller when God wants to do bigger, bigger, bigger. Always. Because the devil doesn't want to see you succeed in life. The devil wants to see you victorious in life. He wants to keep you down. He wants to keep you oppressed. So you're just going to get by in your marriage. You're just going to have kids that are just average. You're just going to, you know... There was something inside of me ever when I was a kid and growing up in the middle of a a farming and ranching operation, whenever my dad would put me out on the field to plow and we'd be plowing with a chisel rig and we'd be, you know, tearing up the ground. And uh, I was always dreaming that I was going to pull up a bucket of gold coins, (laughs) a treasure chest. Somebody had buried a treasure chest out there. I was going to snag it with one of the chisels. Gold coins and bars are going to fly out everywhere. I could hardly ever look forward in plowing because I wanted to look back because I knew I was going to plow it up. I was always like this. I remember one time when I was just a, I don't know, I was a small kid and we were going to San Antonio. I still look at the same because I I could take you right to the spot. It was right outside of Casterville before you get to the stoplight there. The first one up on top of the hill by the Alsatian Inn back this way over on the bar ditch. I, we're going along there. I'm a kid looking out the window. I see something in the bar ditch. I tell my mother, there is a sword in the bar ditch. And she says, there's not a sword in the bar I said, Mama, there's a sword. I saw it. I saw it. There's a sword in the bar ditch. There's a sword. I saw it. I saw it. I saw it. I saw it. So God bless her. She turns around, Aww. goes back, and I jump out, and I run over there, and it is a... Uh, <laughs> It's a, a blown hydraulic hose off of some piece of equipment. And, you know, this part still had the black rubber over it, and that, the top part where the metal fibers are in the, in the, under the rubber was the top part that I thought was the sword in a sheath. It's like, <laughs> But I've always just been looking at it like that. I mean, for my whole life, I look, I think, I th- I'm seeing a treasure. I'm expecting a treasure. It's just always been in me. I, I don't know why. I don't know what, what other than saying God would have put it in me to, to come be a pastor or something, but I'm just saying at the, I was always like that. I was always expecting. But what about you? I'm asking the question. What are you expecting? Disaster? Are you, are you expecting nothing's going to change? Nothing's going to get any better? You're always going to do the same thing? 
Are you expecting the miracle to walk in? Are you expecting the jar to quit to, to have enough oil or to quit pouring? Huh? Are you are you expecting that one day you had to have the problem? You know, I was thinking about the person that won the billion dollars in the lotto. You know, what do you do with the billion dollars? Like, let's just say, I don't know. You know, I don't know what to, I don't know. It's not been I don't guess it's been divulged to one it or whatever, you know, yet. But I'm just saying if you were just a guy making fifty thousand dollars a year and you have one bank account and then the next thing you know, you have a billion. You got to go find somebody to help you do know what to do with that money because you just can't go down with the check to your local bank and say, I'd like to deposit this. <laughs> I would love to have to go learn that information and do that, okay? But I'm just saying, all of a sudden, your world's changed. Well, you know what? In that person that won the lotto, what, what was yesterday impossible for him to get today is possible. If he'd already, if he, but what was his dreams? And see, people are, have their dreams, and their, their dreams are just like, oh, God, I just hope I survive. You know, I, I, I just hope I, uh, uh, you know. You see, because I got to explain this to you, I got to divulge some things about myself. I, I, I had, there was a point in my life that I was, I was trying to believe God for miracles, and one day I came across a story about the Syrophoenician woman who went to Jesus and was trying to get her daughter healed. And she said to Jesus, uh, "You know, I'll heal my daughter." And He says, "I've been sent to the lost house of the sheep of Israel." And she said, uh, "Yes, but Lord, uh, not to the dogs," is what He said. And, and she said, "Well, yes, Lord, that's true. But even the little dogs eat from under the table the crumbs." And I got hold of that scripture and I said, you know, wait a minute, Lord, there's a principle here. Because there's crumbs, crumbs falling off millionaires' tables looks like a lot to us. And so I started praying and I started saying, God, give me the crumbs from the, their table. Give me the crumbs from their table. I'll eat, I'll be the little dog, eat the crumbs. Send me the crumbs, Lord, send me the crumbs. Just give me the crumbs. I'll eat them. I mean, whatever they are, whatever I'm going to do. And then one day, the Spirit of God chastised me severely. And set me in place. He said, listen to me. I am not the God that my children eat off the floor. My children eat at the king's table. And he said, shut up, get off the floor and quit asking me this. And I said, whoa, I got that one wrong. Because God doesn't want his children eating the crumbs. He wants them to walk in his abundance. He wants them to walk in their blessings. You cannot, if you set your sights and you think you're going to operate in the family business and your sights are set that you're just going to try to get by, you're in the wrong business. God wants you blessed. He wants you abundantly blessed. He wants you happy. He wants you full of joy. He wants you full of peace. He wants you full of the things of God. That's what you should be expecting. And if you say to me right now, well, I'd like to have that, but I don't have that. Well, then you need to talk to Dr. Brown, get set up and go to freedom prayer. You say, Pastor, you just use freedom prayer as your answer for everything. Pretty much. <laughs> because I got too many testimonies of people being free. person went to freedom prayer the other day, came back and told me, said, Pastor, you should make it a forced thing that every person has to go to freedom prayer, goes to church. And I said, well, I don't think I can force it. Well, you ought to try. <laughs> Be a requirement. Because you get in touch with God, you God touches your spirit, and then, you know, he sets you free and heals you of your hurts and wounds and stuff, and then you can go on and believe God that he's a big God. Oh, let me, let me poke at you again. Uh, Bruce just told me that he only has one person in his, the, the first level class for discipleship. He only has one. Wow. Look at the person beside you and just kind of smile. 
See, God wants to fill you full of his word. He wants to fill you full, so full that you're so full of the word that, man, then you can start to have big, big vision and to have vision like God has. But you got to get the word in you. And then no way you can get the word in you unless you go and, and disciple and learn to become a disciple. So Jesus looks at the multitude. Let me get back on my story. Jesus looks at the multitude and he says, uh, how are we going to feed them? And the, the disciples' answer was, well, just send them home. <laughs> And so Philip says, where should we buy that bread that these would eat? But he said this to test him for he knew himself that he would, what he would do. And Philip answered, he said, 200 denarii worth of bread is not sufficient to feed them, that every one of them may have a little. And one of his disciples, Andrew, Simon Peter's brother, said to him, now just listen to how stupid this sounds. There is a lad here who has five barley loaves and two small fish. But what are they among so many? So they got this little kid's lunch. <laughs> and he's got these five little loaves and two little fish, you know, like sardines. <laughs> I don't think he had two bass. <laughs> he got like two little sardines. But look at, look at, look at, look at uh, uh, Andrew here. Andrew's like, oh, we got a lunch. <laughs> At least he had the gumption to say that. Again, again, just like the woman with the jar of oil, what do you got? What do you got? Well, I just got this jar of oil is the only thing I got. And so he says, well, we've got this little kid's lunch. It's not even his. Andrew's offering a little kid's lunch. He said, give me the, give me the deal. What if the kid was fighting? This is my lunch. Give me the money. Give me that lunch. I got a lunch. Then Jesus says, okay, then make the people sit down. Now, there was much grass in the place, so the men sat down in number about 5,000. And Jesus, I don't know why it says there was a lot of grass in the place. I don't, you know, I wonder sometimes when I read the scriptures, what does that have to do with anything? Why was it, what did they write that in there? And there's a lot of grass in the place. I mean, I don't know. It probably means something, but I just thought that was funny. There's a lot of grass. Did it mean that everybody sat down and you now you can't see them because they're all in big, tall grass or something? I don't know. So then Jesus took the loaves, and when he had given thanks, he distributed them to the disciples, and the disciples to those sitting down, and likewise of the fish, as much as they wanted. So when they were filled, he said to the disciples, gather up the fragments that remain, so that nothing is lost. Therefore, they gathered them up and filled 12 baskets, <laughs> 12 baskets with the fragments of five barley loaves, which were left over by those who had eaten. And then those men, when they had seen the sign that Jesus did, said, truly, this is the prophet who has come into the world. So he took these five little loaves. He, he, where'd they get the 12 baskets? I guess somebody had some baskets and they had all this, but it just kept multiplying. Multiple. How did it do it? Again, it's one of those things I want to see. Did Jesus just keep breaking off a piece of bread? I mean, you know, it doesn't, it doesn't give me the indication that Jesus prayed when everybody opened up their eyes. Boom, there's a truckload of bread. I don't really see that unless the deal about the tall grass has something to do with it. And they just kept digging in the grass and they just kept finding more. So here's another one. I got one over here. I don't know. It could have been. We'll see. We'll have to get to heaven and see the DVD on that to really understand how he did that miracle. The point is 5,000 people were there. 5,000 people saw the miracle. So it's not like it was just some lame story. 5,000 people saw the miracle. They ate from the bread. Everybody's just sitting there saying, there's more bread. And then the little boy goes home 
And his mother says, where have you been? <laughs> You're supposed to go get five barley loaves and two little fish. And he's like, uh, these guys are with me. <laughs> we brought the leftovers home. Come on, moms. Y'all know. We always laugh about this at my wife. One time, my daughter was small and we were, we were living in this house and she comes walking in with a bird, a wild bird on her finger. Comes walking in the house. Says, look, mom, there's a bird on her finger. Okay? When is this normal? <laughs> that a kid has gone outside that come walking back in with a wild bird sitting on their finger. So my wife did whatever. I'm like, oh my gosh, what are you doing? There's a bird on your finger. And then the bird flew off, you know. <laughs> and we've laughed about that. It was like a miracle before us, but we all were so freaked that there was a bird sitting on our daughter's finger that I don't know what would have happened, but we blew it. So it's the same thing with the mom coming home and the little boy, where have you been? And he's like, these guys were helping me get all this home, mom. So then she got to live and enjoy and be blessed, right? Okay, God always wants to do abundance. He always wants to do bigger than he can think. They at first were thinking about how are they just going to feed the multitudes and just get them to have something to eat. Now they're dealing with the leftovers. Y'all with me? You've got to enlarge your vision, church. You've got to get to the place in life where you believe God for bigger than just to get you by. Because the family business is run on abundance. Go to 2 Corinthians chapter 9, verse 8. 2 Corinthians 9, 8. And God is able. Everybody say God's able. To make all grace abound toward you. That you always having all sufficiency in all things may have an abundance for every good work. God is able. You're not. He is. God is able to make all grace abound towards you. That you have all sufficiency in all things and an abundance. Everybody say abundance. abundance. For every good work. God always wants to multiply. He always wants to give you abundance. And he's able to make all grace about you. Now, what is grace? Remember I told you mercy is not getting what you deserve. Grace is giving us Jesus so that we can walk in it. Well, then didn't he get to say, look, ask what you want in the name of Jesus and I'll do it. You see, church, in this time when the world wants to, to you know, kind of just tighten the screws on us, God's saying, I just want you to believe me for more. I just want you to quit complaining about the situation in front of you and just believe me for more because God's able to make all grace abound towards you. Amen. Having all sufficiency in all things and an abundance for every good work. I want you to have so much and be so blessed that you can bless everybody else that's around you. I want you to be such a blessing. But see, this world right now is trying to push us to the place where we're complaining about the cost of gas, complaining about the cost of food, complaining about the cost of everything, complaining that they don't have what we wanted. Hello? And so we get in the mode of complaining, you're out of the, what the family business is. The family business is, well, Lord, we're, we're operating in abundance. That's what you want us to do, operate in abundance. Everybody say abundance again. Abundance. Another scripture, Ephesians chapter 3, verse 20. Now, to him who is able, again, right? God was able. Now, to him that's able, God's able. 
to do exceedingly, abundantly, above all that we ask or think according to the power that works in us. I'm telling you all those Wednesday night messages I was preaching on the spirit of life. It's, it's just to me, it's just a, I've been so blessed by listening to them. And, and we have to come to realize that the spirit of God is on the inside of us. We have been born again and the spirit of life is on the inside of us. And God wants to use that spirit of life to generate in us and stir it up in us so that we're always believing him for exactly what he said. And then once we've prayed it and we think we've got a big prayer out there, he wants to do bigger than that. God save my family. Oh, he did say I'm going to save your family, but he wants to save everybody in your neighborhood. You see what I'm saying? God's always looking bigger than you can ever look. So you're going to really stretch out there. Well, Lord, I think I can believe you for, you know, two people to get saved. And he's like, well, I'm believing for 50. He's always going to do bigger. God, if we can just get the bills paid this much. He wants you so blessed that you're paying somebody else's bills. You got to get this in your mind. No matter what you pray, God wants bigger. God, if my husband and I can just get along, if we can just make it. No, he wants you to be the most blessed people in the world, sharing your happiness and joy with every other couple so that other other couple then can learn from you of how you all walked in God's abundance of his grace and his mercy. And then that's just more than the next thing you know, you know, you got a you got a full on circus going on out there with everybody coming in from all over to see what's happening in your life. You know, like I said, I, I'm the guy that sees a sword on the side of the road as a kid and always look for gold. Uh, when I first got saved, I really asked the Lord to give me this, and it never happened. I wanted a Wild West show. I was always thinking about Buffalo Bill, you know, on his Wild West show, and I got to thinking, man, this is better than a circus. We'll do an old-style Wild West show, shoot them up, bang, bang, roping and doing this and that and the other, and we'll go do all of this and, and have this big deal, travel from town to town, and everybody will come. We'll preach Jesus. And, uh, you know, the Lord had a different plan, but it sounded good to me. I was looking, you know, to go worldwide with the Wild West show. And, you know, the devil has a way of stealing dreams and stealing vision. And we get to a place of complacency to where we're not dreaming anymore. And I'm preaching this message to myself as much as y'all today, because sometimes it just gets hard and just gets difficult. And you want to just kind of stop and just sit down and want to just sit on the sideline and want to be the water boy. You really don't want to even be the water boy. You just want to sit on the bench and everybody leave you alone. But you're a part of the team. Team Jesus. But you don't really want to do anything. Maybe you've believed God for something and your dreams are dashed. Well, if they were, they more than likely were because you were believing for something that wasn't in line with what? It was God's will. I never got my Wild West show. Never got a tent. Wanted a tent. I don't like elephants, and so I didn't want elephants. But I uh, always wanted a tent. Maybe someday. But right now, I'm just telling you, you got to dream. You got to have vision. You got to believe God for a better tomorrow. You've got to believe God for a better marriage, a better life, better for your kids, better for your community, better everything. You've got to be believing God right now. I'm not going down without a fight. I'm not going to sit here and just let the devil steal from us and, and, and rob from us. I want to see victory. I want to see joy. I want to see peace. I want to see glory. I want to see miracles. I want to see signs and wonders. I want to see people coming from everywhere just to come here to be healed. 
I'm not going to look at the past and say, well, this, this, this didn't happen or that didn't happen. Because if you do, all you do is get discouraged. I want to look to the future and believe God for a, a glorious, glorious, glorious place. Now, you've got to understand something. The greatest thing that's going to happen is Jesus is going to come back sometime. Amen. And when he comes back, he will set up his kingdom and he will be the righteous ruler over the whole thing. And that is going to happen. And that is going to be glorious. Amen. And I know I'm going to be there. And you're going to be there if, if Jesus is the Lord and Savior of your life, right? I don't know if that's going to happen in my, in, in my time on this earth, but it's going to happen. I'm going to walk in it. I, I, I'm already there. I'm coming back riding a horse. All you cowboys, you better, you better pray. We get saddles. <laughs> and it's not English saddles. And like I've said, if not, you better grab a chunk of mane and you better squeeze tight because that's going to be one jump from heaven to earth. <laughs> you better be holding on. He's like, oh, what if? Now, here you go. This is, you, you, think, you think in your glorified body you're going to be all like, you know, really like you can't fall off? These are things you need to pray about. <laughs> that is going to be very embarrassing sitting with all the saints Everybody got their stuff on ready to go and your horse pitches and you slip and fall off. That's going to be embarrassing. You better pray for the Holy Ghost groin muscles to squeeze on and hold on and grab a chunk of mane. Because it's going to be ugly if not. But you better be believing God, folks. Listen to me. Listen to me. Don't let the devil steal your dreams. Don't let the devil steal your visions. Don't let him come in there and sidetrack you. Don't let him come in there and take you off and get you over there in, in doom and gloomville. God is a God of abundance. And so no matter where you are today, listen to me, no matter where you are today, I want you to understand God wants to get you out of the hole you are, but he's going to do it his way. And his way is you depending upon him. Not you coming up with a plan and then telling him how to do it. We're good at that. Now, God, if you just bless this, if you just make this happen, if you just do that. No. When you fall down on your face and say, Jesus, my life belongs to you. And so what do you want me to do as your servant? Then all of a sudden, now you're in line to walk for abundance to start coming in your life. And so I just challenge you today. We're going to have communion here in just a minute. And I challenge you as you come up to this altar and you receive communion today. I just want you to know, God wants to commune with you. He wants to do a miracle right here. And if your vision has been shortened and you don't have vision anymore, he wants to give you one today. He wants to instill one in you today. He wants to show you great things. But you've got to have a heart that's open for it. Amen? I don't believe that what we're serving here in a minute is just bread and juice. I believe it's a connection to the communion with the Holy Spirit. Hello? So think about it as we, as we get ready to serve. Think about it. You need to do some repenting. Do some repenting before you get up here. And believe God that he is the God of abundance in your life. Amen? Yeah. So just a couple of things I need to tell you all before we get going here is, you know, we've made a little change here. And, and, and some of you all have been a little set back. Because you're faced with two cups. One cup has the piece of bread in it, and one cup 
has the juice in it because I don't want to touch the bread and hand you the bread. You get it yourself. So when, you, when I come by with a cup, it, the first one's a piece of bread because <laughs> I noticed a few of y'all last month, you looked at it like, man, there's something bad in my juice. <laughs> That's the piece of bread. <laughs> we do have communion elements in the back there. For those of you, if you want to take communion that way, it's fine. For those of you at home, uh, get your communion elements ready. You can, you're taking, I believe God, there's no distance in spirit. He can touch you right where you are. Amen. And so can I have my prayer team come down? My prayer team's going to be up here with me. If you, and, and, uh, if you need prayer, they're here for you. You can pray with them. I am not trying to rush you. It's not like the service ends and the doors lock and y'all have to hurry out. No, we're here to pray with you, minister to you. You already got food over there today, so you don't even have to go fight for the cafe seat. But God is so good to us. He is so, so good to us. So Jesus, on the night that you were betrayed, you took bread and you blessed it and you gave it to the disciples. And you said, now take and eat for this is my body, which is shed for you. And so, Lord, I just thank you today for your broken body. You went to the cross, Jesus. You took the stripes upon your back so that we could be healed. And so, Lord, I thank you that today you mend broken bodies. You heal people. You heal broken hearts. You mend and put together because, Jesus, you paid the price for us all. So, Lord, I thank you for that. So those of you at home, take and eat. Likewise, he took the cup and he said, this cup is a new covenant in my blood poured out for you and for many for the forgiveness of sins. Drink this in remembrance of me. Lord, we praise you that you shed your blood on a cross. You gave up your life for us so that we could walk free of sin. So, Lord, today as we take and drink, I thank you, Lord, that our sins are forgiven, that we're washed in your blood. And we give you praise for it, Lord. In Jesus' mighty name, so take and drink.